you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, I am joined now by Kelly Dujois, who is the founder of Ocean Beach Consulting and a fantastic learning designer and consultant who I've known for some time. She was last on this podcast a little over a year ago. I think that came out in July of 2020. And I'm excited to have you back on to talk about your latest journeys. Kelly, welcome. Thank you, Andy. Great to be here. Yeah. So you, you've done a lot of great work over the years, and we can get into a lot of things on influence and storytelling and inclusion. But you've also been on an interesting journey. We all have since COVID started in March of 2020. But you've been on a, a physical, literal journey, packing up things and traveling in your Sprinter van since February, I believe, of, of this year, 2021, to listen to stories. And, and you and I haven't had a chance to catch up in a while. So I'm curious, like, how did this come about? Why, why did you decide to do this? Yeah, great question. Well, I can remember actually the moment I somewhat made the decision. I was um, walking, I, I'm based in the Presidio in San Francisco. So I have this amazing uh, nat- national forest park around me. Yeah, beautiful area. I've done a lot of walking. Yeah, I, it's definitely a great home base to come back to. But um, I was doing my uh, a walk in January and with one of my best friends and we were had this amazing kind of hike along the bluffs of the ocean and fresh crisp air and just feeling really invigorated and we came back and we settled in on my porch and we were having a conversation and I will never forget my friend saying to me she goes you know often I'm under the illusion that life is infinite and for whatever reason in that moment it landed for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, so do I. I I think that a lot too. And it isn't. And so what that prompted me to really ask myself is how am I spending my time? What am I doing? What is the story I'm choosing to create in my life? And what am I holding back, not doing, thinking I can do it someday? Okay. I was going to ask you if I I could interrupt. You said one of the illusion that life is intimate, I'm sorry, infinite. Is that kind of like the, you know, we say that young people, especially teenagers, you know, I think they're going to live forever. I still kind of operate it that way. And, you know, we don't really think about the finality of life, but at the same time, we often use that as a crutch to put things off that we want to do because we think, oh, I'll have plenty of time. I'll do that someday. And then someday never comes. Exactly. And you also, you know, hear it a lot with people that wait, you know, for retirement, you know, Mm -hmm. and and stories about then not being able to do, you know, things they wanted to do. And, and so for whatever reason, there's many reasons Um, I was going through a lot of, uh, I had just written my last college tuition check for my youngest daughter, I was uh, extracting myself from a, not a healthy relationship. So there's a lot of change going on in my life. And I thought to myself, what do I want to do in this life, in this one wild, crazy life that we have that I haven't done yet? And I had a 20-year business that was still running and still is running successfully. And I love my work and love my clients. And I realized I can do my work from anywhere um, because everything I do now is set up on a virtual platform. So yeah, I made a choice. that I wanted to really experience uh, stories that would inspire and create hope uh, for me and hopefully be able to share those with others. And so I invested in a 24 foot Sprinter van built out 
and have spent probably close to three quarters of my time over the past year traveling in it across the country, um, exploring really interesting places, meeting really interesting people, seeing beautiful national parks that even though I've grown up in the United States had never seen. Yeah, and I have not regretted it a moment and have uh, used it as a way to really fuel my inspiration for my own work and the work I do with clients. And so that's what I've been up to. Yeah, ah, that's that's exciting. That's something that, you know, I've always dreamed of doing. And we we took a five week road trip this summer with my wife and kids and dog. And we drove across the country from Florida to Oregon and back and always dreamed of taking more time. And I'm curious about some of the things you saw, the stories you heard. And of course, I want to connect that back to talent development and leadership yeah. and how we can help people through stories. But just start with the trip. What are what are a couple of the most beautiful mm. or amazing places you visited you referenced national parks like what what really stuck out to you yeah you know there i mean so many places i always ask myself every place i went one would i come back mm. two could i ever imagine living in this place and so what it allowed me to do was really have that filter and realize that the diversity across the country is enormous um diversity of thinking diversity of life diversity of thought and but every place I went, I met interesting people. And oftentimes what I found, because this ties to leadership and our ability to just be self-aware of our own stories we tell ourselves and our own biases, I would pull into locations where I would look around and think, oh, you know, that person seems like not someone I would want to speak to or uh, necessarily even feel safe around. And inevitably, if I struck up a conversation, the story in my mind would change. Mm. And so kind of my, my belief in, in the fact that human beings are really good, human, there are good people, no matter what the thought beliefs, et cetera, that people have. And once you get to know their story and what you, once you connect with the way that you're looking at them and even the environment that you're in can shift. And so I got to experience that a lot. There were some amazing, if you're talking just physically beautiful places, I was surprised by um, Southern Wyoming. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't been to Medicine Bow uh, National Forest, it was probably one of the most surprise and delight, uh, beautiful um, parks that I was at. You know, all the usual places, I literally, as Steinbeck said, fell in love with Montana. Um, there's something quite unique about that amazing. state. And then I was born and raised in Oregon. So that always feels like going home to mo the most, one of the most, I think, again, naturally beautiful locations uh, in our country. And then Wisconsin, which I spent some time in Wisconsin and again, was just amazed at the beauty there too. So, yeah. um, and I think, you know, the connection to leadership, I would say, because the work that you and I do is all about how do we help you know, how do we help leaders and people in businesses be their best selves? And how do we help cultures create environments that can flourish that? I would say telling each other our stories and getting to know our stories and getting to know the people around you, their stories can significantly shift the relationship container. And I believe that can shift the work that we, we do together. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my yeah. And a couple of things strike out to, you know, stick out to me. You mentioned meeting people and pulling in and be like, Oh, I don't know if I want to talk to them. 
how many assumptions we make about people in life. Yes. Com, you know, considering not just race and gender and the normal things, but where do they come from, where we come from. You know, if you come from a liberal place and visit a conservative place, or I don't know if I'd want to talk to anybody there and vice versa, right? Plenty of people yes. live in Tennessee. They're like, I don't want to talk to anybody from California or Oregon, right? <laughs> right. Or whatever, right? And there were moments like, when I wanted to cover my California license plate. <laughs> 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 so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And we saw, you know, some of those places and people, and by the way, uh, you know, I haven't been to medicine, but we spent some time in Wyoming. We camped in Yellowstone over the summer, went to Bend, Oregon to visit some friends, really beautiful Gorgeous. there. One of my favorite places that really, I, I guess I knew it was going to be beautiful, didn't surprise me, was Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It was just uh, amazing up in the panhandle of Idaho. There's so many beautiful places to see, but there's also a temptation when you travel around to just kind of stick to yourself and your own things. But you talk to a lot of people and gather a lot of stories. And I'm curious how that came about. How did you find yourself interacting with so many people? And, and what are some of the things you learned from that? Yeah, really great question. Well, the first thing I'd say is the thing I noticed because I'm traveling solo, I'm by myself. Mm. And my prediction actually is that it's easier to actually engage in conversation with other people when you're traveling solo because you don't have anybody else to talk to. <laughs> right. So, you know, there, there's a human need of connection and community, and I'm yeah. somewhat of an extrovert. So I think that that made it made it easy. And I, I enjoy conversations. And usually the conversations I had that have stuck with me the most were the were moments where I wasn't anticipating a conversation, they just emerged. You know, so for example, um, I was in outside of Yellowstone, actually standing outside of my rig one morning, and a buck was literally five feet from my back door. Mm. And I was standing there sipping my coffee. And this guy came out of of his, his camper van from across the way with his dog. And we were standing there watching the elk and chatting. And his name was Justin. And Justin's story stuck with me because it turns out Justin eight years earlier had been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. Hmm. And he was only in his late thirties. And he proceeded to tell me the story of what his experience had been like and the choice. Again, the story he chose to create for himself um, with this diagnosis and how it unfolded where he had met the love of his life, his wife, and they were traveling now around. He was becoming a writer and a painter. He used to be a CFO at some resort in Hawaii. And, hmm. you know, so the, the choice he made to really follow his heart and create a story for himself as a, as a human being that was very different than the path that he had been on pre-illness. And so stories like that, or stories like Farmer Brian in South Dakota, um, inspiring, he was a engineer for a oil company and he had this family farm. And if you're ever in South Dakota, which is wheat country and ranch country, a lot of it is, um, you know, environmentally not, I, I would say not managed in a way that's healthy. In other mm. words, crops are sprayed with Roundup sometimes twice, direct correlation of Roundup to cancer. Fertilizer is used, which is a high chemical derivatively yep. based thing. Land is depleted. It's a vicious cycle. Well, Farmer Brian, as I call him, took his family farm and has created a completely organic way of um, creating heirloom wheats. And his story and the story of him now trying to inspire the six 
100,000 acres around him to see the economic ability to do that inspiring. So, yeah. so many, I could go on and on, Andy, but so many stories. And every time I would talk to people and learn their stories, it fueled for me the possibility of staying hopeful, staying in the story of what's possible, not what, not what is wrong. And I think, you know, the work I do with companies and leaders around how are you influencing the people around you and what are the stories you're telling? And are those stories inspiring people to move in a positive direction or are they stories of constraint, pain and constriction, right? Yeah. So yeah, lots of interesting things. And, And I've been so inspired to follow your story. I mean, another great example of, you know, you as a human being choosing to share your story of your health struggle and how you handled it and the choice you made and the story you chose to tell yourself. So lots of, lots of inspiring things. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I I wanted to get into that a little bit because, you know, something you talk about is that when we experience something, we can either focus on what went wrong or what is beautiful, right? Like what's bad about this. And, and I equate it to in my book and and speeches sometimes, you know, presentations talk about having the victim mindset versus an ownership mindset. And, right. you know, I was talking about that and building up that growth ownership mindset for a long time before I got cancer, as you mentioned. And my perspective on it was, oh, this is the next challenge that I get to face. It's not going to be fun, but we'll get through it and we'll see what happens. And, you know, you and I were talking just before we started recording. A lot of people were like very worried about me. I was never worried because I always had this optimistic mindset that like, I'm going to, I'm going to get through this and not a blind or naive mindset because I focused on all the things I could do. I did a ton of research. You know, I changed my diet. I started taking tons of supplements and asking a lot of questions, doing all these things that I that, that I felt like I was in control of the situation as much as I could be, you know, and got through it, you know, and, and it was a a very treatable compared to other cancers. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect, but I look back and see the whole thing as a blessing. And I know other people don't necessarily look at things that way. So I know you observed a lot of this as well, right? People have different perspectives on the things that are happening to them. Wonder if you could share more about what you have, you've observed. Yeah. Well, I'll speak to it personally, um, is I saw it in myself. I saw instances where I had a choice, you know, okay, what is the story I'm going to focus on? And one example I'll share with you is when I was in Montana, Montana, I experienced the highs and the lows. I pulled into a site that I was staying. I'm a member of a harvest host application, which if anyone travels via van, I highly recommend that application. You stay at small businesses basically. Cool. And you just support their business. Well, I was staying at a farm to table uh, ranch in Montana and I pulled in and uh, the host showed me where I could park my rig. And I, I did that. And I have an awning on my rig that I hadn't really used much because you don't put it out in wind. And I thought, oh, I've got an hour and a half, you know, before the dinner gets you know, served this farm to table dinner that I was participating in. So I'm going to put my awning out and I'm just going to do a little yoga and just kind of relax. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I thought after I did that, well, I still had an hour and I thought, well, there's a a park nearby. I'm just going to drive and and take a hike. Well, I got in my rig, I started pulling out and, and there's two, there's like the typical Montana entry to the ranch, right. That has Uh two big, you know, tree trunk like yeah. uh, pillars yeah, and like then the gate. banner across the top. 
And as I'm pulling through the entry, I literally hear this ripping, crunching noise. And I realized, oh my gosh, I for I didn't say, oh my gosh, by the way, <laughs> I forgot to take the awning down. Yeah. I get out of the rig and sure enough, there it is hanging off the side of the rig. Oh. And I'm like, wow, this is a surreal picture, like straight out of a horror film. Yeah. So there I stood in the middle of Montana where there's no RV support in calling distance right. and thought to myself, what am I going to do? And as soon as I had that thought up pulls the other guest that was arriving for the evening in their rig and out of the rig becomes my uh, two new best friends, as I like to say in Montana, um, Bill and Valerie Pettigrew. And it turns out that Bill Pettigrew was a 20-year military uh, Air Force pilot. Uh He then was a 20-year Alaska airline pilot captain. And he goes, oh, a project. (laughs) And they proceeded and Valerie pulls out their large toolkit, you know, that they carry in their rig. And they proceeded for the next 30 minutes. He did helping me figure out how to disassemble the awning and get it all tucked in and so that I could drive my rig. And so the, the reason I'm sharing that story is I could choose to tell the story of the enormous cost that that awning and ripping it off (laughs) and the story of how stupid could I be to do that and the story of right or I can choose to focus on the fact the Bill and Valerie Pettigrew story which to me I made two good friends Mm -hmm. we had this experience and then we sat and had this amazing dinner on this deck watching the Montana sunset Mm. sipping wine and it was amazing right so every day I think we can notice that what's the story we're choosing to tell ourselves we can have the same set of facts and two very different stories depending on what we choose to focus on agree completely for me mindset is all perspective it's how we choose to perceive and see life right and we could all have the same things happen and see things in a different way and i'm big on turning challenges and opportunities and I don't know if you've heard this, I had three questions I like to ask when facing a big challenge like that. And I've made plenty of those mistakes as well Is number one is what's great about this. Cause there's almost always a silver lining, right? Yes. Number two is what can I learn from this? Like put the awning in <laughs> right totally. before we had a, a, an experience over on our road trip where we lost our dog in Kansas oh. because we all got out to Oh Toto. It's like the wizard of Oz. Story. Yeah. Yeah. We all got out <laughs> and then we got back in and started driving and the dog didn't get back in and we drove an hour and a half, about a hundred miles before I realized the dog was not in the car. And then we got to go back and go get to find the dog. And we found him, thank goodness. So the second question is, what can I learn from this? And in that case, it's always check to make sure. So whenever we got in the car after that, I always ask the kids two questions. Number one, do you have your seatbelts on? Number two, is the dog in the car? <laughs> because we want wow, to make sure Andy. the dog is there. That- I mean, and how fortunate that you, that you were able to find him. Oh yeah. Three hours. It was like a hundred degrees plus out in Kansas, you know, in July. And we found him on the side of the road. It was just, yeah, it was rough, but he, he and it'll be a story that your kids tell whenever you come together for like family dinners. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. So what's great about this? What can I learn from this? And the third question is what does this make possible And a lot of times we face big challenges and we think, oh, this is awful, but then they oftentimes create new opportunities that we never would have gotten. Otherwise, like making new friends, you know, you hear about people losing jobs and they're just, you know, distraught about it. And then the next job comes along and it's way better than the first one. And they would have never gotten it if they didn't 
you know, have that opportunity, you know, they weren't working at that time. Totally. Yeah, no. And I love that. What's possible. Yeah, what's possible. There's a, a poet that I followed, David White, and he his new book, I just did a series of sessions with him, um, really recommend. I, I think poetry is actually a great inspiring tool, too, that's completely underutilized in corporations, by the way. And I've done some amazing sessions with a street poet where it can really unlock connectivity between people. But anyway, so David White, his new book, I think is called Still Possible. And so that, that concept of what you just said, I think is so important, especially now, is you know, given all the um, cultural challenges, environmental challenges, health challenges. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so much, but what is still possible? And I, I, I'm so intrigued when I do work with companies kind of tying back, you know, this concept to companies. The first thing I'll do when I'm, I have a program called Influencing with Story. Yeah. And the first thing I'll do when I start to work with a company is I'll go on their website, I'll go on their social media, and I'll look for story. And I'll try to find what stories, if any, are they telling? And what are those stories emotionally kind of creating for me? And I think the, there is a huge opportunity for companies to embrace more of this, for companies to really say, what's our brand story? What's our, what's our leader? What's, what are, as leaders, what are each of our stories that we're mm -hmm. trying to create? What are our product stories? And there are some amazing companies that do great work in this area. And you can see the business results that will occur yeah. because when you create a story, it requires you to tap into sense of purpose, meaning the moral, uh, the emotion, and it just has a whole different connection it can make, I think, with people. So yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you like why is that important? I think many of us kind of get it in intrinsically, like yeah, stories <laughs> resonate with me. Companies yeah. need to leverage stories. Leaders should leverage stories more. But can you explain more about like why that's important and what are what's the business? Um, Completely, because because one of my beliefs, having done this leadership development work for a lot of years, is it's not soft stuff. So when I started down this path of really exploring the power of story as it relates to influencing change, I did research, and there's science behind it. So if you look up Paul Zak, Paul Zak's done a ton of scientific research on what happens chemically in our brains when we hear a story. There's a release of um, hormones that actually connect us with people and with other human beings that get released in our brains. We can't stop it from happening. Mm. You'll also look at research that shows how story, our brain is activated fivefold more when we hear story, which means there's more focus and more activity going on. And so you're maintaining the focus and attention of your audience at greater levels. Um, so there's a lot of science that backs this concept of story up that isn't about it's a nice to do. I always like to say, if, if you're trying to inspire change, if you're trying to get people to follow you, story is a need to do because you can't emotionally connect with people with data. Um, you have to make meaning out of data and you have to have meaning out of where you're trying to take a group. And that happens through emotional connection, which really can only happen through story. So anyway, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan, big believer and have done a lot of 
kind of research around the science of why it works. Yeah, yeah. and humans have been using stories to communicate information. 36,000 right, years, Andy. 36,000 years. years. Yeah. yeah, a lot of time, right? Back when, before people could write them down, right? It was just telling stories, handing down from generation to generation. Uh, and you say that stories we create, hear, and remember are what guide our lives, right? Can you tell me more about that from a you know humanistic perspective? Um, yeah, there's so many. I mean, I'll, I, again, I'll just, for myself, it's the, it's the, I call it our own leadership stories or our own heroes journeys that we're all on. And we all can choose to, we're all a, a, on a journey. You know, sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we're not, and we're letting it happen to us. So my belief is we don't need to let it happen to us. We can create a, a future leadership story. Um, some people call that vision work, you know, so I love vision boarding. I do that every year with my friends and mm -hmm. it's a powerful way. Uh, crafting your leadership story, um, which is what I did with my choice of investing in the van and, and making a decision to travel and, and experience other people's environments and stories, et cetera. Um, I painted that picture, you know, and the power of it is once you set that intention and you know this from your work and mm. um, from the book that you wrote and from your personal experience, once you set an intention, which is really painting the future state of your story, kind of the, the end state you're trying to get to, things will start to occur around you that you never would have imagined. Mm. And all of a sudden you're gonna to start to pay attention to things that you never paid attention to. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of power. And when I work with leaders, when we do leadership stories, what's my leadership story? We have them look at, you know, where have I been? What's the current state? What's the inciting incident that's gonna take me off on this new path? And what's the future state I'm envisioning and why am I passionate about that? And what it does is it not only unlocks for them a sense of control, a sense of I can create this versus allowing things to just happen to me, but it also allows them to tell their stories to others that then can inspire those people to create their story. And I think that's the power of stories. We never know when we tell a story who we will touch and how it will impact them. Yeah. And I have circled back. My goal is all the people's stories and people I've met along the way, I wanna circle back to them at the end of the year now and thank them and let them know, here's how your story affected me and here's what it did for me. So yeah, I think if we all did more of that, we would, uh, we'd be creating a different world. And, and be willing to share our stories. And you mentioned earlier, you know, setting your intention and a lot of amazing things happening that reminded me of, of course, the famous book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. You know, when you put your oh, intentions yeah. out into the world, the whole world conspires to help you achieve those things. And, you That's know, a good book. we don't always achieve the things that we set out to do. All kinds of things can happen, right? Yeah. But just by doing that, a, a lot of things pop up and happen that we never would have happened otherwise. And you talk about sharing stories. I think there's a perspective that, hey, everybody has a story to share, right? And everybody has, we can, depending on how they tell it, everybody has an interesting story to share. But I know a lot of people have the perspective of their own that my story is not very interesting. Oh, my life has not been very interesting. How do you help people change that perspective to see that they, they do have an interesting story to share? Yeah, there's um, a couple thoughts I have on that. First of all, I was I was there. I still am there a lot. Like mm. even getting on this podcast with you, I thought, 
who's going to care about the fact that I want a sprinter van and been traveling around and like, who really cares? So we all have that voice in us. um, I think to some degree, I think, I think it's healthy, right? It it helps us not be complete narcissists all Mm -hmm. and walk around thinking that we're better than we are. But there's two thoughts I have is one is everybody's story is uh, interesting and every there's a moment in every day that you could create a story around. There's a program called The Moth. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I used it's to listen to it on podcasts all the time. Yep. It's a podcast. Highly encourage people who are interested in becoming good storytellers, listen to The Moth. What's great about The Moth is that people show up and they tell stories, but without a script, right? And so it's there's a guy that has won the moth five times because they have competitions Mm -hmm. and I can't remember his name now, but he said something once that really stuck with me, which is he basically every day journals five things that have happened to him in a day. And then he creates a story around each of those five things. And his point to this was, it is often not the big cataclysmic things in our lives that create the richest stories. It is often the very simple things. Like I was sitting at a bus stop and I started a conversation with the person next to me. And the story of that conversation and what unfolded and the moral that came from that. And so if you're, I always say to people, if you're struggling with the belief that you don't have an interesting story, set that aside for a minute and just do an exercise where you just pick a couple of moments out of your day. And we have a recipe for storytelling that makes it very like fill in the blank and just write a story with, with the tool and share it with a couple of people and see what happens because two things will occur. One, you're going to see the, the chemical reaction of oxytocin and the connection hormones happen. You'll see, you'll get people's attention and you might be surprised at what you can inspire in other people that you had no idea that simple story could do. Mm. So anyway. Yeah, yeah that's, those are my that's fascinating. And I, I've listened to the moth and I've been to one of those storytelling competitions locally. It was very interesting. And it, you make me think of, of stand-up comedians as well, right? Some of the best stand-up comedians what do they do? They they observe and write down the things that are happening and they see around them and they create stories that are obviously funny. And most of the, many of them turn tragedy into comedy, which is what the best uh, stand-up comedians do. And then we, yes. we love hearing those stories. Yeah. And they're usually about very simple things. Yeah. That, that they've just figured out how to, yeah, I have a huge appreciation. My oldest daughter is an improvisational theater artist and, Mm. and writer. And I am in constant amazement when I watch her because improvisational theater is that too. It's the ability to literally build a story with a team of other people in, in a very, um, you know, yes and way, as On they the spot, say. Right, yeah. And it's so, and it unleashes our creativity in a way that other forums, you know, don't. And so I, I that's another great recommendation for people who want to get better at story and being able to connect um, kind of creative communication, as I call it, or visual yeah. communication is improv theater classes. I, yeah. I love that. And I'm interviewing someone soon who uses improv with organizations for team building and, and that sort of stuff. But I'm curious, like for, for the roast, those of us who, you know, people who work in large organizations, especially managers, leaders, how can we leverage these lessons and use 
storytelling to influence positive change around us and help people, you know, enable people to get more work done? Great question. Well, the first thing I'd say is look at the stories already within the company. Ask yourself, is there a, um, you know, I've had the benefit of working with Apple has been a client of mine for over 20 years. And so to me, there are companies that do this well. And the late Steve Jobs was an amazing storyteller. If you look at the Instagram account of the watch, by the way, you will see the most powerful product stories that are captured there. Hmm. So in your organization, look for the stories that exist that you could actually leverage and retell. I'm always amazed when I get onto programs and I will have scoured their social media and their website and found stories that employees within the company that I'm working with had never seen. And I often think, wow, there's so much leverage to those stories that isn't happening because people aren't either encouraged to look for them or use them or think about them. So as leaders, if you're trying to inspire change or trying to inspire employees to follow the vision of the company, look for stories and then retell those stories in your own way. Um, and so that's one big recommendation I have. The other one is get a simple recipe for storytelling and, and just do it, you know, kind of like the Nike theme, just do it yeah. and start to see the, the benefit of it um, and get that little voice out of your head that says, this is soft. This is stupid. I don't need to waste my time on this. I've got data, you know, I've got my deck and, um, and facts rule um, and put that aside and, and just try it, just do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to just start doing it, practicing, seeing how, how people react, right. And adjusting as you go. And I would say, Andy, find people who are great at it. Like I'll mm. always ask when I run sessions, who in your organization is a great storyteller? Who do you love to listen to? And then I'll say, this is what I did. I, I observed Steve Jobs in action when he was alive for probably a good five years and really study what is it that they do and say that make them so compelling. Mm. Because we tend to, behavior modeling is really a powerful learning tool. And so if we get a, a model performer and we start to behave like them, uh, we can actually accelerate our own development. Absolutely, love it. Okay, so last question I wanna ask you, you know, for those listening who work in learning and development, talent development, what's the somehow leverage these ideas to enable people to be more effective in their organizations, to help leaders use storytelling or become better leaders. I know you work with a lot of organizations. What's something they can be doing or thinking about to help the organization maybe embrace stories more? Yeah, I think a simple one, and I'm, I'm doing a session uh, coming up in New York with a, a company that is really committed to this, is there's a powerful tool called just your leadership story. And it originated back Jack Welch during GE and um, you know, you can look up, there's different approaches to it. But to me, if, if groups, if leaders, especially if they're leading a new team, um, or if new members are coming on and they're trying to create team cohesion and performance and productivity, is spend a half a day, maybe even less, for people to craft what is my journey line? What is my leadership story? Where have I been? And share it and listen to each other and affirm each other. And my belief is that half of a day investment of helping people share their story not only builds relationship, builds trust, builds empathy, um, but also gives people a way to learn and know that they can tell story and be effective at it. 
Um, so that, that I think if I were to wish one thing for organizations, if, if every leader did that with their teams, I think that again, things could, could feel different and yeah, better. We, you know, I'm just wondering too, as we wrap up, another factor of that we didn't talk about is how does authenticity and vulnerability factor oh. in there? Because people could say, well, I, you know, they get good at storytelling stories, but they're trying to just be the hero and be perfect. It doesn't always resonate with people. Well, the first thing I'd say is a hero's journey, the protagonist is never the hero. The protagonist mm -hmm. always struggles. Yeah. Um, so in a good story, if you learn to craft a story, and that's why you need to have a simple you know, template and, and some basic tools like that, is you know that you always build in struggle to the story because that's what makes it compelling and it, mm -hmm. what, it's what activates our empathetic response system. And so when the leader is sharing their story, the way you do the journey line is you think of the 10 events in your life that um, have impacted you the most. And inevitably, when we do that, we will think of painful moments, mm -hmm. right? We will probably think of painful moments more than we will think of highly successful moments because we learn the most through failure. So by sharing those, and by sharing you know, what we've learned and what was possible after that, kind of back to your questions, it allows people to tell their story in a way that, that works, you know, that is authentic because it's about their life. Now I will say people are on a continuum, right? Of their comfort with vulnerability mm -hmm. and transparency. And I've been on a, believe me, early on in my career, I was like work and personal are separate and I'm never yep. gonna, you know, and I think about that now and I, you know, kind of laugh to myself because I think that the power we have as individuals to create change is directly correlated to our ability to be honest and be authentic and be transparent. And if we can all get there, you know, that's, I think, where we really have our impact. So, yeah, yeah it's Brene Brown, right, is the queen of vulnerability. And, mm -hmm. and so... I'd say if you're struggling with that, uh, her podcasts again are amazing and, yeah, and her and work is amazing. And, and so. as you said, everybody's in a different place on it, but I always advocate people be as authentic as possible. You know, when I was sharing my cancer journey or sharing everything, right. And had many people message me privately and say, I've also been going through cancer. I haven't told anybody and that's yes. totally fine. Right. That was right for them. And I did what was right for me. But the important thing is that we're able to look back and be able to share some of those stories with others, the struggles, as well as the as the winds. And that's what makes us human. Exactly. And, and that's what helps people relate to us because every human being, I really believe this, is dealing with struggle. Every human being is dealing with grief at some level mm -hmm. at, in their lives. Every human being is dealing with invisible struggles that we're not even aware of. And so when we can transparently share those, it can help people connect and go, oh, one, one, I'm not alone. And two, what is it I can learn from your story that can help me on my journey? Yeah, for sure, Andy. And I, I just want to commend you and just say thank you for being transparent. Um, I've followed you more on Facebook and seen just glimmers of posts that you've put on there. And I've always felt inspired by that because I think when people are vulnerable, it creates and makes it okay for the rest of us to be vulnerable. So you've contributed to that, I'm sure, for many people. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I appreciate 
your authenticity and your vulnerability and sharing your, what is it? The, the thing that hangs off the van, <laughs> your driving abilities. Oh, my awning. Your yeah, awning, awning. Yes. That, that, that was a, that was a $5,000 like mistake I made. A right lesson. There, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kelly. This has been great for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you more, learn more about the work that you do. Where's the best place for them to go? couple ways. I mean, I, I, um, I'm, uh, my products and services are distributed through, um, your close partnership to advantage performance That's groups. Right. So they can go to the APG site. They can find me on LinkedIn, um, Kelly Dojois, and I do have a website, oceanb.com that I try to maintain, uh, when I'm not busy doing the work, but, um, Got yeah, it. But yeah, I, I almost forgot the partnership. With oh, the and then you can also, if you want to follow the journey, I have an Instagram account on the road with hope, one word um, okay. on the road with hope. And so I do try to post the different stories and places that I've been and whatever kind of is going on for me in that particular moment. So you, that's an open Instagram account and anyone can follow it. Great. We'll put links in there. And of course, as you mentioned, to find out more about some of the programs that that Kelly provides, you can go to advantageperformance.com. She's a solution partner with Advantage Performance Group, which is also our main sponsor of this podcast. So Kelly, thank you again for being on here. I really appreciate it. Love all the stories and the journey you've been on. I know we're just getting started and there's so much more to come and look forward to talking with you more in the future. Thank you, Andy. Be well. Thank you. Take care.